are digital nomads. We work anywhere. We're not limited by location. We're not limited by self-belief. We are works in progress. I'm Beck Power, and this is the Nomad Me Podcast. Susan Shane is a recovering ski bum who followed the path of seasonal jobs that has taken her around the world for the past decade. She ended up a travel blogger and content marketer for traveling full-time as she built her freelance writing career. Let's do this. Susan Shane is on the show. What's up, Susan? Hey, Beck. How are you? Good. You in, uh, you're in the States. Where, where are you? I am in Columbia, South Carolina for a little while. Not somewhere I'd ever thought I'd be, but I'm here for family reasons for a few months. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, I'm in Bangkok, just uh, sweating. How, what's the temperature over there right now? It's, it's becoming sweating temperature here, too. Wow. You know, it was pretty nice for a while, but it's, it's getting up into the 80s now. Yikes. Yes. Um, so we're going to be talking about seasonal work today. And um, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, I want to be a nomad, but I don't really want to, like, go straight to Chiang Mai or whatever. I want to kind of ease my way <laughs> into it. That This episode is for you. Um, Susan, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you, like, your background Sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, I grew up in central New York and went to college in Michigan. Eventually, I thought I was going to go and get, you know, a PR job in New York City. I eventually decided that was not the right path for me and moved out to become a ski bum in Breckenridge, Colorado. So I was working out there at a ski shop, waitressing, doing all kinds of stuff. And I kind of fell into this world of seasonal jobs. So I met tons of people who were also working these seasonal jobs like I was. Maybe they were a lift technician at the ski resort doing something else. Um, eventually followed that path up to Alaska and worked as an office manager for a sea kayaking company up there. And I spent four summers up there, would go back down to Colorado for the winter, and I eventually followed another seasonal worker uh, out to South Korea where I taught English for a year. Oh, wow. And while I was out there is what, kind of when I started writing. So I started writing for an English language newspaper on the island I was living on and started a travel blog and discovered I really liked this writing thing and eventually started doing more and more writing, doing some content marketing for clients and since it was a location independent career, kind of focused my efforts there and kept doing the seasonal work. But eventually now I've built entirely a freelance writing business. Wow. That's a lot of experiences. Yeah. It's been a whirlwind of a decade. It's, it's kind of funny now I can say a decade because I finished college in 2008 and that's when I moved to Colorado. And now it's really just been a decade of kind of being on and off the road and doing a lot of random things <laughs> wow awesome that's uh yeah that's really cool what what made you not do the PR in New York it was this really bad interview I had I, <laughs> I showed up um for this interview and I was completely unprepared and it was just like pale dudes in suits and I realized that that wasn't where I wanted to be and, and not who I wanted to be. And I came home and told my roommate I was moving to Colorado and I just kind of said it. And then eventually 
drove out to Colorado and drove to a bunch of different mountain towns to figure out where I wanted to live and settled on Breckenridge. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I was in that interview and I realized I'd already messed it up from the very beginning. Cause I didn't know very much about the company and I decided just to be honest with them. And when they asked me, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? I had to be honest and say it wasn't at their company and that it was always my dream to move to Colorado and ski. So that's what I decided to do. <laughs> that's killer. That's like a, a movie, the beginning of a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a good beginning of a movie scene. I love it. Yeah, totally. So when you were, um, I, I mean, you decided that Colorado was for you, so you drove there. And then, like, what? how did you get your first job? seasonal job? I just, I mean, this was a decade ago, so this is going to make sound funny, but I mean, I was looking in the newspaper. Oh. So I was, which sounds archaic and it was yeah. just 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just looked in the newspaper. I had a variety of jobs while I was there, but the first one I got was at a ski rental shop and that ended up being a place that I went back to for three seasons. So I just, you know, I helped rent out skis. I helped with the, the retail section. Um, and that became one of my many jobs that I cobbled together to make a living while um, in Breckenridge. I love it. Did you have any experience with ski stuff, snow stuff? Yeah, I did. So I grew up skiing and in high school, I actually taught skiing at a resort near my hometown. I mean, a resort is a very generous term. It was like a hill with two ski lifts and um, some bad snow. But, you know, I definitely fell in love with skiing there and knew I wanted to just be in a place that had actual powder for a few years. Mm, Definitely. That's really cool. So how do seasonal jobs work? Like you're there for however long and what do you do on the off season? Like how do these people who do these seasons, because there are people who just live like that. They just go from place to place doing different stuff. How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a real lifestyle for some people. Um, I mean, basically now there's a now there's lots of websites. So one of my favorite websites is CoolWorks.com, and that's actually who I co-wrote my seasonal jobs ebook with because they're kind of the mecca of seasonal jobs. So you could go there and you could look for jobs in a variety of different places. You know, whether you want to be a raft guide in Montana or Uh, work at a resort in Hawaii. And the best thing to do these days is to apply for a job before you get there. So it's since they're much more popular now, you can't, I mean, you can go drive to Breckenridge and show up and find a job, but housing, it can be difficult. So what I really recommend is for people to find a job. And usually now they'll help you with housing. They'll either provide housing or help give you subsidized housing and you'll go out there and you'll work your butt off for a season. So um, typically, at least in the States, the seasons are kind of winter and summer. So you'll have a summer season from about May to maybe September and then a winter season that starts in November and goes till maybe March. And then in those seasons in between the off seasons, that's when I would travel. So I would use the money that I saved from working a ton and not having a lot of time to spend the money. And I'd go traveling in maybe September and October. And then again in March and April, because there's no jobs at those times. And um, yeah, people just, 
Some people go to a different job every season. Uh, a lot of other people kind of rotate. So they'll go to one job in the summer and then travel and then go to a different job in the winter. Um, I mean, once you get one seasonal job, then you're going to meet so many other people and just get so much more inspiration for where you can go next. Yeah, definitely. That sounds cool. Um, so moving on to your, your next job, uh, how long after the the skiing one, did you start the, was it kayaking? Yeah. So I actually, I actually went up to Alaska in between two winter seasons in Colorado. Okay. So I had always wanted to live in Alaska and I, I think it was maybe after two winters in Colorado, I moved up to Alaska for the summer and I started working as an office manager for a sea kayaking company up there. And then I ended up returning to that sea kayaking company for four summers. So you literally did like winter travel summer, wait, winter, whatever, winter <laughs> in um, one place, summer in another place, winter in another, like you did that three or four times. I did that. I mean, it wasn't always consecutive because I did go to South Korea for a year in there. So honestly, oh. it's hard for me to remember what, which oh, yeah. years happened with what. Um, cool, but yeah, though. I mean, basically it was yeah, Colorado, Alaska, Korea, Colorado, Alaska, something like that. And those were your only jobs for those years? Yeah. So um, when I was in South Korea and I was teaching English, that's when I started working for the newspaper on the side and also doing some freelance writing on the side. Um, but other than that, I mean, I was, yeah, just working at the sea kayaking company in Alaska in Colorado. I had a lot of jobs. So, you know, I was doing liquor repping and I was working for a nonprofit and oh, okay. working in a confinement store and hostessing. So I was, I had a variety of jobs. Oh, and I also managed an ice cream store. I can't forget that one. <laughs> wow. That's a hustle. Like all of that stuff. That's cool. So, but I think it's cool because what those jobs teach you is how to, how to hustle. It's like how to, you know, rather than just having your nine to five or whatever, and you just get up, you go to work, you come home. It's like, okay, what am I going to do next? How can I, you know, usually there's something creative or, or a passion project, like you said. Um, yeah, it's like, it seems to me so much more of an active kind of lifestyle rather than passive. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree because I think every season you're choosing what you want to do next. Mm -hmm. You're saying, where do I want to live? I think it just opens up the realm of possibility like that you don't have to stay in one place, that you can move the next season, you can choose a new opportunity. And the really cool thing about seasonal jobs is most of them don't require any super intensive experience or education or training. You know, basically all you need to do is be a hard worker and have good customer service skills. So it kind of opens up this whole other world because it's like, oh, well, I guess I could go be a raft guide in Montana, even though I don't know exactly how to be a raft guide because they'll train you. Mm. Um, as long as you're willing to work hard, um, most seasonal jobs will give you a chance. So you did this stuff in the States for a while and then you're like kind of ventured outside the States to work, which English teaching is like the perfect gateway um, international job. How did, how did that go? It was great. I mean, I had traveled before, like I said, I traveled in the off seasons between my jobs. So I was, um, familiar with traveling abroad. That was my first time living abroad for so long. I'd studied abroad in college as well. Um, 
But I mean, it was an awesome opportunity. Like you said, it's a really good gateway into working and living abroad. Mm-hmm. The pay was really great. Um, the work was fairly easy. And yeah, they just get allow you a really comfortable life there. And all you need to do is be able to speak English and enjoy kids. And mm-hmm. luckily, I had both of those qualifications. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, And so when you were in Korea, like, you obviously, you you didn't set out to be an English teacher. It's just kind of a thing that we do. Like, I've done it. Most people have kind of done it at some point to, like, figure out what you're doing next and, like, use it as, again, another gateway. But um, uh, then you started writing. Because while you're English teaching, you're actually, like, figuring out what it is that you really want to be doing. Because most people don't just, like, they're not like, yes, this is it. I've made it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a really great point. A lot of people kind of use it as a uh, sabbatical or something. It's a paid sabbatical. You get to live abroad. You get to have all these cool experiences. But in the end, it's not that hard of work. So mm-hmm. you have a little bit of mental space and even some time. I mean, that's when I started my blog because I had time in the afternoons after I'd finished my lesson planning to actually start a blog. And that's when I started writing for the newspaper there because I had more time. Um, and I think you're right. That is totally when I kind of started to create this vision for myself of writing and, and traveling. I had a dream to earn a hundred dollars a month from my travel blog. Cause I thought that would just help my travel fund so much. Yeah. And yeah. And looking back, it's like, yeah, that, I'm, I'm so glad, you know, I started with that and now I can look back and, and think that, wow, now I can support myself from my computer. And that's just been a really exciting journey. Yeah, cool. So how does your writing business work now? Do you have a, like an agency or are you just independent freelancer? Yeah, I've gone back and forth. So I was in-house um, with two different websites for a little while, but now I'm back to full-time freelancing. I just keep answering that siren call. I can't, can't get away from it. Um, but yeah, the majority, vast majority of my income comes from freelance writing, probably about three quarters comes from regular clients. So that's either content marketing, small or large companies that I'm writing blog posts and newsletters and web copy for. And then probably about a quarter of it comes from pitching new outlets. So that may be pitching new websites or magazines about just various topics I'm interested in. So you, okay. So you actually pitch, you spend a lot of time pitching. I do spend a decent amount of my life sending emails. Yeah. So like, what are your strategies for a finding someone like a, well, the right person to pitch and B, like, what do you say that gets them to, you know, is it like, yeah. What do you say that gets them to say yes to you working for them? Um, well, it's mostly, so when I'm talking about pitching, I'm pitching a specific story to a specific magazine or a specific Mm. website. Um, so I'm not pitching like an ongoing business relationship. Um, and I definitely don't have all the answers when it comes to getting them to say yes. If somebody does, you know, please email me, (laughs) let me know, but I do not have the secret. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically if I have a story idea, I think about where I would likely read that story and then 
look at that website or that magazine to see who the relevant editor would be and send them an email. Um, like any pitch, I try to keep it fairly short and interesting and to the point. You know, I started off with, I don't start off with, hi, my name is Susan and I'd like to write a story with you. I started off with a hook, with a, a lead that I would use in a regular story that kind of draws them in and then describe what I'd like to write, um, why I should be writing it now and why it should be me as opposed to somebody else. Um, and yeah, I actually have another website if people are freelance writers, it's called where to pitch.com. And that is a website where if you have a story idea and you know, you know, you want to write about health, you can type in health and it'll bring up a ton of health publications. Or if say you got a story rejected by cosmopolitan, you can type in cosmopolitan and a bunch of similar magazines or websites will pop up. So it'll give you some ideas for where to pitch your next story. That is a pro tip. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, I had another question, but it's gone. I have this like weird trend of forgetting the last question before we move on to the quick fire round. I think it's just because I'm so excited. <laughs> pitching? Was it something related to pitching? It was, and... but it's totally gone. I might remember it during the quick fire round. I'll throw it in. Oh, can't uh, wait. I know. Uh, okay. Well, actually, thank you for that for that info. Like, I honestly. I feel like a lot of stuff has come together in my brain now. There's a lot of like missing information about seasonal stuff. And now I'm like, Ooh, the pitching thing. Um, maybe it was like just something that I was like, Ooh, I want to pitch this thing. Maybe I'll ask you about it after. Um, cool. so let's do the quick fire round. Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> what is your favorite country in the world? Other than, you know, probably America, which you're an American. So, you know. <laughs> so you just assume. Yeah. No, um, oh man, that that okay. I guess I gotta get prepared for this quick fire. I'll just say Mexico. Um, I love it. I love Mexico. I was there last year for a few months, and I mean, just the food, the people, uh, the Spanish is easy to understand. It is close to, as you said, my favorite country, the United States. <laughs> um, so you know, it's so easy to get home. Just happened. <laughs> no, it's easy to get home if, if you need to be, but, um, yeah, the culture, I just, I love everything about it. Am I supposed to actually answer the quick yeah, yeah, just worry, give you yeah. like a one, a this one word? Just, no, this is invented. Just do whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's uh what's a passion project or a cause that you care about? Uh, I care very strongly about many things. If I have to say one, I'd say vegetables. Do All you right. Want me to give you more information, or well, do I just say about, vegetables? Let's talk about it for a sec, because that's you know a little. Um, you're a vegetarian. No, I'm not, and oh. um, I was okay. for a while. Um, but I think that you know the conversation should be less about restricting what you can eat and simply adding more vegetables to everybody's diets. Okay. Cool. Like <laughs> that's important. So yeah, definite passion of mine, veggies. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, what book are you reading right now or favorite book? I'm about to start A Little Life, which I've which has been recommended to me from several people. It's huge. Um, I can show it to you after. But uh, I've heard it's just amazing. And I've also heard that you shouldn't read it on a plane because it's very emotional. A Little Life. Yep. And it's a giant book. Yes. <laughs> so 
I don't, I don't really know what it's about. All I've heard is people rave about it and then tell me to get ready for like an emotional roller coaster. Oh, wow. So I've, I've got the Kleenex ready. I haven't watched Molly and me for that reason. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Not interested oh. in crying. Ooh, I was on a plane the other day and somebody was watching it in the seat in front of me. I couldn't even hear it, but I knew it was happening. and I was crying. <laughs> oh, oh, don't watch it. <laughs> it's not happening. No. Um, when you are traveling, uh, how much luggage do you usually like? What's your usual luggage situation? It depends on a few things, but usually it's either just one carry on suitcase and an under the seat backpack mm. or from like, going for many months then it is just a just a regular backpack like a big backpack cool what's your when's your where is your next trip tbd um tbd for international trip i'm going back up to alaska in a few weeks so i'm pretty pumped about that i'm hoping to do a little a reporting of a exciting new story that hopefully i'll be pitching soon yes that's awesome um, and do you, what's your advice for someone who is thinking about going nomadic or like leaving their job or like something that's not as stable and, and they're like, I need to do something else, but I'm scared of what might go wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's very common. I think you just have to really look at yourself and think about is my desire for adventure and new experiences, is that greater than my desire for comfort and stability? And if the answer is yes, then you just go for it. And there's no harm in trying it out because pretty much you can always come back to some semblance of the life you're leading now. So if, if you answer yes to that question and you're curious, you know, you never know how much time you have. So I say just do it. Mm, awesome. And where can people find you and connect with you online? I know you have a book. We will put a link to your book um, in the show notes. Everyone who's listening, make sure you check out the book. What's the book about? It's about seasonal jobs. So it's called The Ultimate Guide to Seasonal Jobs, and it kind of walks you through everything you need to know about finding a job, getting a job, keeping a job, all the resources. You know, there's tips from other seasonal workers. So, And it's pay what you want. So you can pay as little as a dollar and kind of get all my knowledge on the topic if you're at all interested in dipping your toe into that world. Nice. And yeah, that's at susanshane.com slash ebook. And so that's S-U-S-A-N-S-H-A-I-N.com. And the other place I'm probably most active is on Twitter. So at Susan underscore Shane. Cool. We will have the links um, at digitalnomad.me for those who are listening. You can go to the show notes. You know where they are. Um, Susan, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Beck. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for tuning in today. If you love Nomad Me, make sure to leave your good review on iTunes. Every week, I select a reviewer to win a lifetime Nomad Fly membership for free. All the show notes can be found at digitalnomad.me. See you tomorrow.